0: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, another special edition of the Terrible Podcast, Pittsburgh Steelers Training Camp 2023. I am Dave Bryan from SteelersDepot.com. It is August the 15th. It is Tuesday. It is approximately 7.40 Eastern Time. The Steelers had their 14th training camp practice earlier in the day. This is our 13th special edition of the Terrible Podcast. And of course, with me on the other end is Alex Kazora, who, by the way, is, let's see, 10 years in now as of today, I believe, uh, with uh, with Steelers Depot. Is that correct, Alex? Happy uh, Happy Tuesday to you and happy anniversary
1: thank you dave and, and same to you i outlasted jarvis jones who was the the of the, the the description of my first ever the topic of my first ever article i did on august 15th of 2013 jarvis jones debut and evaluating that performance, and so we've uh, we've sped past him. Now I'm just trying to beat Calvin Beacham. That's my whole goal is to Cal- outlast <laughs> Calvin Beacham. I think we're tied right now.
0: Yeah, I don't think you have ha- – at, at this pace, I think you'll be able to top him whenever he mm-hmm. does finally finally call it quits. But, uh, man, uh seems like just yesterday, how old were you back then? You were 12 or something, weren't you? 13? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't grown
1: an inch since then, but uh, hopefully a little bit wiser.
0: How old were you? Uh, eight, uh,
1: I eight? was – I'm 30 now, so I guess I was 20.
0: Oh, you were 20 years old. Okay, Uh, man, time flies when you're having fun, and we're going to have some more uh, fun uh, talking about the the practice earlier in the day, but before we do so, we got to give a shout out to uh, our sponsor of these uh, special edition podcasts, and that would be Lynn Testa and the fine folks at Touring Plans
1: we do want to thank lend testa they've been supporting us for it feels like almost the entirety of that that 10 years probably not quite that that long but we really appreciate lend support always reaching out and touring plans is a fantastic service if you're planning a trip to disney you want to hit up touringplans.com uh, you can use their trip planner tool to show you the least crowded park to visit every day that's always important customized touring plans for the best rides honest restaurant reviews how to save on disney tickets that's also very important uh, this time of year, the best hotel, hotel rooms to ask for and so much more. So we thank Lentesta, we thank Touring Plans. Check out the website, touringplans.com, and you can find them on Twitter at Touring Plans.
0: Absolutely. Okay, uh, as usual, we get to the the, the housekeeping portion of the section where, or, of, of the podcast where we talk about transactions and, and injury updates. And this might uh, this might consume about five minutes here, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're going to run long on the housekeeping portion. So several players have been signed. We'll talk about it maybe a bit more tomorrow on the regular Wednesday show. But new cornerbacks, Lavert Le- Hill and Neville Clark. Hill wearing 25, Clark wearing 33. A new running back is in. I think it's Xavier Valadie, number 33. John Lavette uh, has been waived, uh, also waived, injured, Duke Dawson. So, Foot in my mouth for saying the other day, I don't think Dawson was going to go straight to IR. He is, although I don't think the injury is necessarily Corey Trice-level torn ACL. But either way, he's been waived injured. Isaiah Dunn has been waived as well. So that's the cornerback replacement. Not sure why Lovett was just getting healthy, and then he's waived. So I don't know what's going on there. But those are the signings in terms of three new people in, three people out.
0: And do we know about Forrest Ryan, the linebacker being added? Uh, uh, When, when did that happen? Did, did it happen... We talked about that on the on this show the other day, or did we?
1: I think it, it should have been part of the Monday because okay. I think that came before Monday. But yeah, Forrest Ryan in, Chappelle Russell was waived injured, and you said he's cleared IR, correct? Right, he cleared, cleared the, waivers. I'm yeah, sorry.
0: cleared waivers and reverted to IR. And, and, and here's a little bit of clarity on Duke Dawson. He was a... Uh, he was he you know, he's a veteran so he was immediately placed on IR. He was not actually I know Steelers.com reported okay. that he was waived injured, uh, but uh, the the official NFL sheet uh, shows him being just placed on IR directly because he is a uh, vested uh, veteran there. So uh, just a little bit of clarity there. Uh, boy, that uh, Xavier Validate Valida, we'll talk a little bit about him uh, on 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 the uh, let's see to be the Wednesday morning podcast and all, but a guy that uh shrine bowl product and it'd be interesting to see if he gets some uh work uh in this preseason game all right with uh and what about injuries how about the health of mm-hmm. the team coming out of this practice
1: sure not practicing today was Nick Kwatowski with the shoulder Trey Norwood with his right leg he was doing some more jogging he's getting closer to return I don't know if we'll see him by Thursday's final camp practice but I'm confident he's going in the right direction Nate Herbig with that shoulder injury, did not practice. Larry Oak and Joby did not work. Still has a boot on that right foot. Marcus Golden, unknown. Tomlin did not seem to be too concerned about Golden when asked, and Golden moved around uh, fine. Practicing in full, returning was Keanu Neal, and so the safeties are, are getting much healthier overall. Uh, Keanu Benton practiced in limited fashion today. He was in full pads, went through the individual period, did not practice in team. I would call Joey Porter Jr. full, although he didn't take of his normal reps in team, but he did work in team here and there. And so he's basically all the way back. I'm optimistic he'll play in Saturday's game against Buffalo. And I don't think I noticed any in-practice injury. Something may have occurred, of course, but uh, overall seemed to be pretty clean during the day.
0: All right. Uh, That should have everybody up to speed on the housekeeping portion of this uh, special edition of the podcast. And, man, it feels like we have a lot, you know, it feels like there's a lot to unpack today, Mm -hmm. but uh, we'll try to roll through it as best we can. But I I wanted to start uh, with the offensive line because it it happened, Alex. It happened. And (laughs) uh, uh, why don't you tell people what happened and, you know, the rest about what happened uh, with the offensive line group?
1: The one position we have not seen rookie seventh-round pick Spencer Anderson play this camp was center. Dave, we've been talking about this for a while, especially after the Herbig injury. You know, will we see Anderson at center? And you saw him at center today. He got, you know, a decent amount of reps there. He played some guard, played some tackle, so it wasn't all in the middle. But he did work there. It was down on the field early, getting some reps in, getting some coaching points and pointers from uh, Nate Herbig and, and Mason Rudolph. So it was Okay overall there weren't any bad snaps that I saw there was one you know pulled the old BJ Finney where oh. he didn't snap the football everybody oh. else moved he didn't so I'm just assuming that's probably on Anderson uh but I guess you know for a first time out it was uh it was okay
0: All right, uh, now we wait and see what transpires in the preseason game, if he can get in there and get a few snaps uh, uh, that way as well, too. But uh, uh, at least they are are now working him in at the position. What else happened uh, on the offensive line today? Some uh, pretty uh, uh, trending upward for Broderick Jones.
1: I would say so some really good reps against Nick Herbig and those two have had excellent battles throughout training camp but Jones convincingly won all 3 of the reps on Herbig today and I think Herbig you know he was laid off the ball on one snap so it was a pretty easy win for for Jones but still really good I think day for for him I thought Dan Moore did well I have one. And I, I, I'm regretting that you started with the O-line because I kind of have a take here that's probably Uh-oh. stupid and is going to sound really bad, and I'm not even going to tweet it out because people will yell at me. I'll just say it on here. I, I think Kendrick Green is kind of getting it in terms of the offensive line. I know that sounds insane, but he his punch the last two days in 1v1, uh, the what Sunday practice and in, in today's practice, I mean, it's looking strong. He seems more aggressive. He seems more comfortable. He still really struggles whenever he's asked to to cover the edges and slide and mirror and defend kind of more speed finesse moves. But man, Dave, you should have seen him against Laudemoke today. There were a couple of really good reps. I mean, he won all three reps on Isaiah Laudemoke and just really good punch. And some of those more aggressive uh, on-body sets that Pat Meyer teaches. So I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that green's going to somehow look better in this bills game.
0: Well, it'd be interesting to a, I mean, he's not, you still haven't seen him at guard, right? Or much of any,
1: I haven't, although it was a little notable in that 1v1 period. He took a couple reps at center, but then took the final three on Loudermoke as a left guard. And so are they going to maybe give him a bit of a look here? Are they just trying something different? I mean, we'll have to see. He's not gotten any team period as a guard, but he actually kind of took some left guard aligned snaps in 1v1 today.
0: They're they're, they're giving him every opportunity, aren't they?
1: They are, and... Yeah. Again, the, the, the I tape, I
0: can... the, the tape from the other night. Wasn't, wasn't no, that it was not Was appealing.
1: It was bad. But I, I want to. And, and maybe this is some sort of weird false hope. And listen, I'm not a Kendrick Green stand or anything like that. But I can just I can feel him getting it a little bit more than he has in the past. Will it be enough? Who knows? It's not trending that way. Anderson's, I think, playing his way onto the roster right now. Anderson, by the way, seems to be be taking Raven Clark's a, a couple reps from, from LaRaven Clark, uh, second team uh, offensive tackle. Clark's still got some work in there, but I'm seeing Anderson kind of steal a couple of those that I hadn't seen before. So I think Anderson is playing his way on. Green is not, but I just feel like, I mean, it may be too little, too little, too late, but I think Green is kind of finally picking it up on, on some of the Myers, uh, coaching points.
0: All right. And if, uh, people listening, uh, Josh Carney has a film room up on, uh, on, on Spencer Anderson, uh, earlier in the day. So stop by studers and check that out. If you got some time here, all right, uh, offensive line, let's go to, uh, the, let's go back. Let, let's go to the quarterback position now.
1: Yeah, I would say it was a good day for Kenny Pickett. He was really firing the ball in on some of those short intermediate routes, show touchdown field. There was one play that, yes, he would have been sacked easily by Kim Hayward, but had a really good corner, seven route to Calvin Austin, deep downfield for, I think I have it as a 30 yard, you know, air yards and a little bit of run after from Calvin Austin. But I thought Pickett, a bit of an early struggle in seven shots, but, you know, uh, responded well towards the end. I thought the other quarterback struggled more. Mitch Trubisky threw a pick, was picked off by Elijah Riley thought Mason Rudolph threw a couple of bad balls. There was one really good route that Gunnar Olszewski ran, beat Jalen Elliott, and Rudolph just kind of short-armed it. And one of those moments where it should have been a great play overall that falls incomplete. So I just didn't think the quarterbacks – I thought the offense in general was kind of sluggish and had some issues that I hadn't normally seen fundamentally today. But I thought the quarterbacks behind Pickett with Trubisky and Rudolph were not at their best.
0: All right, uh, let's move uh, back uh, to the uh, running back position.
1: And actually, just one other quick note on on all quarterbacks. Right. I, I don't know if this is intentional or just a misread by Rudolph, but he has fired so many like contested catch opportunities to to uh, Hakeem Butler this year. There was one today where, I mean, Marjorie Harper is all over him. There's no separation and Rudolph just threw it. I don't know if Rudolph's not seeing it or if he's just trying to give a veteran or kind of a guy fighting for a spot in Butler an opportunity. But I've seen a weird almost fascination with Rudolph trying to throw contested carols to Hakeem Butler.
0: Hmm. Interesting. All right. Now on to running back.
1: Um, probably not a ton of notes here. I don't know if Alladay worked in team. I don't have it in my notes, but I, I I may have missed something. There are a lot more running back snaps for Connor Haywood, who I think is going to be used in that capacity when needed, when called upon at some points throughout this year. Um, I think this, this conversation probably is better served for tomorrow, but there's been a big discourse about Jalen Moore and I saw on Twitter today. I posted that clip of that great run that he had <laughs> in the Bucks game, and so I don't really know where to what talking point to offer, but I do kind of have a thought in my head, and this is not me coming down on Nashi Harris. I like Nashi Harris more than I think most people uh, on Twitter seem to like Nashi Harris, but I do kind of have the question. I'm trying to answer it myself, and so I might post it to you, and we could talk about it more tomorrow what does Nashi Harris do better than Jalen Warren?
0: Yeah, I think we let's let's save some time here and let's tease that for tomorrow's okay. podcast. How about yeah. that? Because I'm with you. Uh, we 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 could have a pretty good conversation about that. I think there and I think that did, does all stem from that clip that you posted from the game the other night. I think it was the 10 yard run, right? Mm-hmm. You even yeah. you even highlighted that in the last uh, podcast in the tape I review uh, and and all like that. So surprise, there's a tease for you. Tune into the uh, Wednesday morning podcast. I think uh, Alex just had a pre production uh, meeting with me there. Uh, Our first
1: in 10 years, our 10 year anniversary, let's have a, but I I wanted to plant the seed for the listeners and for you, Dave. So I didn't spring this upon you tomorrow because I've been thinking about it. And again, we'll get in the conversation more tomorrow. I'm not trying to uh, discredit Najee Harris, just a a question I asked myself today that I'm thinking about what the answer to that might be.
0: And uh, this Xavier Valadie, uh, pretty good sized kid I, I think overall he uh six foot 198 i don't i haven't gone deep to see special teams work that that maybe he got with the with the Texans and all like that but i know uh, looking at back at his uh college stats there over 40 explosive runs of 20 yards or longer uh uh in in in, in his college career there and obviously was a shrine Bowl uh, guy josh Carney had a uh, write-up about him at the time all right let's uh move to uh, the wide receiver position here.
1: What do I have at wide receiver today? Uh, I don't know if anything in a major way stuck out. Um, trying to think overall, because again, the, the passing game was a little bit sloppier today. I mean, Calvin Austin had a good catch downfield. I saw Calvin Austin take one rep from a running back alignment. They actually ran old school, like 1990 split backs. It was a running back, I think Greg Bell or somebody, and then Austin to the right of Mitch Trubisky. They actually came on the Elijah Riley interception, I believe that Austin was running an angle route out of the backfield, and that's stuff I did in NCAA 14 when I played with my Idaho Vandals, just kind of messing around. So I know that Najee Harris in the spring had mentioned about Austin in the backfield, and we hadn't seen it so far this camp, but I saw it today. I want to tuck that one away. Maybe we'll see it later in the year.
0: All right, there's nobody other than Najee uh, Warren and Anthony McFarlane right now. Uh, in other words, nobody below those guys is, is pressing McFarland. We'll have to see about this Valaday kid, right?
1: Yeah, but there's also, I mean, Connor Hayward is getting legitimate running back time. So right. if you want to kind of talk about that and potentially outsiders, but I mean, no, Greg Bell. I think Greg Bell's got some explosiveness in, in a decent game, but he's not pushing for a 53. Hagens is not pushing for a 53, and the Valaday just got here. We'll have to, to wait and see on that.
0: All right. Uh, and let's see. We just covered the wide receiver position. Tight ends. Yeah, still
1: not a ton to know. Just kind of had Connor Hayward um, wearing all those hats again. I thought Darnell Washington, Zach Gentry had some good run blocks in the team run period. So, you know, expecting those big guys to kind of push their weight around. Um, Not really a ton of targets for the tight ends in the past game today.
0: All right. Did they do any drills with the uh, tight ends and the blocking on, on any of the outside linebackers? Anything today?
1: There was a run-blocking drill. I don't know if the tight ends were even involved. It was O-line, D-line. Uh, there weren't any one-on-ones today. It was kind of doing some four over three, four defenders, three uh, eligibles, and you're you know, pattern matching and doing those kinds of things. So I don't necessarily chart uh, all of those. I don't have a lot of notes on on what those guys did today. I think Washington had one nice catch over the middle on kind of a tightly contested play. It was a good ball from, I forget who threw it, I think Trubisky, but uh, pretty Pretty quiet on my notes from the tight ends today.
0: All right, defensive line, react to me.
1: Armin Watts, good day for him. Uh, more opportunities with Ogun Joby being out. and He was getting a lot of first-team burn, and he had a couple of really good reps in 1v1 against James Daniels. I think it's partially because the D-line at this point knows how the O-line is coached and how these guys set, and so it's kind of easier to beat these guys. But still, I thought Watts had a couple of good wins and hand-use um against uh james daniels today so good chance for him this d-line battle has been really good really competitive again i keep saying it, i'll I'll keep on saying it it's going to be some tough cuts come august 31st
0: how about fahoko how's he pretty good day for for him
1: Yeah, I mean, again, got more burn. Second team, no stackle with Benton not working in team. You see the bull rush. I thought he had a couple of good reps working on Ryan McCollum. McCollum won a couple, but you certainly see the power. I mean, Fajoco basically is who he is. I've talked a couple times about seeing a little bit of penetration ability from Fajoco. It's probably because sometimes he's facing Kendra Green, who really struggles there. But I mean, Fajoco is your classic A-gap to A-gap. You know, one tech, one tech, no stackle, plugger. He does that job very well.
0: All right. And let's see if there's anybody else in it. Diff- uh, anything out of Leal today? Did you hit on him?
1: I didn't talk about him uh, today, but you know, I don't know if I noticed a whole lot. I think he's still working on a, on his hands as a pass rusher, but I have a video going up in the morning on Steagle's mm-hmm. Depot that I think has some really impressive reps in that uh, Bucks game, not even as a pass rusher, but more so against the run. There's some, I mean, very technical in terms of the shrug release and stack and shed and ripping through blocks. I was really impressed by uh, how much of a, a technician Leal was in that Bucks
0: game. All right, uh, outside linebacker. Uh, her, uh, you can't have a discussion about that group without obviously Marcus Golden. We think, uh, and I and I careful with this. We think. Uh, Mike Thomas just gave him a, a vet day he said something along the lines we, we were taking care of him today so I'm gonna assume that was a vet day we'll see if he goes on on Wednesday or not if there's more to that but uh, you can't have a discussion about the outside line uh, linebacker group without talking about uh, Nick Herbig and it uh, sounded like he made a play or two against the run today
1: he did in run session there was a counter run and Frymuth was pulling across and Herbig, you know, discarded him basically immediately and made the tackle, I believe, on McFarland, took him down for a five-yard loss. And so he's a guy that's not necessarily going through blockers in the run game. He's kind of going more around and relying on his speed, athleticism, quickness. And, you know, we'll see how much that'll work to consistently do that and, and not necessarily, not that he's not holding the point of attack, but he certainly is he's trying to go around blockers to make those plays. Again, I thought Jones did well against him, Brado Jones did in that 1v1 session, but you know, it's, it's good back and forth. These these guys are making each other better. I got to talk about Quincy Roche, though. Talk about run session. I thought Roche was awesome today in run session. He uh, had a tackler for loss and he blew up a he blew up a, a screen to Frymuth. If Roche didn't make the play and beat Raven Clark, that's probably a 25, 30 yard gain for Frymuth down the left sideline. They had a ton of blockers out in front. And Roche, you know, beat the block and and, and tackled uh, Pat Frymuth. And so I thought he was really active. There was an end around. They ran to Calvin Austin that Roche was not fooled by. So, I have not mentioned him much. I think the, the outside backers behind the top four have been pretty quiet, but I thought Roche really stuck out today.
0: Who who, who would... Be, they're, they're probably going to... They'll keep at least one on the practice squad, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who are those two right now in your mind?
1: If you maybe choose two, I mean, there's only, I guess... Three options of behind right. with uh, Nduque, Roche, and Paralis. Paralis did have a nice tackle for loss today, but I would go Roche and uh, Nduque if you maybe choose right now.
0: Really? No Paralis, huh?
1: I know that was kind of my guy. I mean, again, special teams will have to see who looks good there. And they could keep any of those combinations of guys. It really wouldn't shock me. I don't think there's been a ton of separation between all of them, but making me choose, I mean, coming off the good day that Roche had today, just plus he's a veteran who's played in the NFL some, so that this that helps a little bit. So I, I would say Roche and Nduke All
0: right. Uh, what about inside linebacker?
1: I would just kind of note more generally the rotation. I thought there was a big-time rotation inside backer today, kind of all four guys mixing and matching, Holcomb, Roberts, Alexander, and Robinson. So, you know, I don't know know how serious Robinson is going to work into that rotation come week one, but I'll I'll just kind of keep saying I think that Roberts and Holcomb and Alexander will have – they'll all be on the field at certain points, um, you know, come week one, come the regular season. So I think Pittsburgh's really – Giving those guys extra reps to move with different groups and more first-team reps for Quan Alexander, for example, just to give him chances to go against Pittsburgh's ones offensively.
0: Have you learned anything about the new uh, inside guy, Forrest Ryan?
1: No, nah, not really. He's kind of been working third-team, taking uh, the spot of Russell and kind of more Kwiatkowski with uh, him being out with that shoulder injury. Um, he's, he's average size. I don't see anything that stuck out to me too much, but I hadn't been looking for it that much either.
0: All right, uh, let's move to the cornerback position. A lot of new – boy, this this room's changed on the back end.
1: Yeah, it has. I don't know how much Hill and – Clark were working in team today. I don't think I noted them, so they were working in uh, individual periods, of course, but probably more tomorrow, where they kind of will go into to full integration into the team period. About Levi Wallace, no one talks about poor Levi Wallace. Just uh. this guy has steady days. He's consistent, never, never coming here talking about man, Dave. Levi Wallace had a really bad day today. He got beat and burned and missed a tackle. I mean, he had three breakups today, one in seven shots and. Two on the final two plays, and I don't know exactly the story. Maybe someone else will be able to report it, but I'm pretty sure there was some sake and lobster on the line because the defense was super happy about Levi Wallace with back-to-back breakups on Deontay Johnson to close out practice today. So that's a dude that's just been consistent and steady. Porter, like I said, kind of, they were managing his reps a little bit today, but he had a breakup in seven shots on George Pickens, um, so he kind of stuck out in those more limited reps, but Levi Wallace was just, you know, making plays today in coverage.
0: Uh, we don't talk about Chris Wilcox still on the roster much.
1: Yeah, he was the one actually getting some of those reps and play supporter. So you know, sometimes the second team corners would be Pierre and Porter, but then you saw Wilcox and Pierre get some second team uh, reps as well. I was trying to look at his size because we had the conversation that he's bigger than than I I, I thought he was, and, and I guess he is. You know, the the numbers are the numbers in terms of him being six one and change, almost two hundred pounds. Um, I just haven't seen much. He's played some safeties, played some corner. There's a bit of versatility there, but. I, I mean, maybe he's really good in the classroom and they kind of like that aspect. He is working ahead of, I guess it'd be Luke Barku or Harper, over the third team left corner. Um, And maybe he's a bit more physical than Barku, but I don't know how much he's going to stick around.
0: I don't know. I, I sure wish Barku would have made that tackle coming downhill in, mm-hmm. in, in that preseason game uh, there. But uh, he, he missed out. And how's the battle between Elijah Ryland and uh, Chandon Sullivan going?
1: Yeah, Riley had the pick today. Sullivan almost had a pick in a skeleton kind of individual period on a throw to the flat that hit off his hands. I think both guys have had good camps. I think Riley's a bit more, like I said before, the the rundown type because he's got that safety body and probably plays a bit more aggressive downhill. Sullivan's a bit more of a true nickel, true cover type of guy. So I don't know which way this thing's going to go. I'm still kind of leaning Riley, but Sullivan has been more consistently working ahead of Elijah Riley in team and he got the start I believe in the in that game as well against Tampa Bay so we'll keep watching and I think this one could really go down to the wire
0: uh safety getting some bodies back and getting three of them on the field at one time can I get an amen
1: Amen to that. Yeah, the, the big nickel, I guess you can call it, with the three safety package with Neil and Fitzpatrick and uh, Casey on the field all at once in that run period whenever Pittsburgh would bring out the 12 personnel. Interesting decision because Pittsburgh was removing a defensive lineman. So it was a two four five grouping with three safeties and two defensive linemen. Pittsburgh has done that before a little bit. I don't know if I love taking off a nose tackle when you're facing 12 personnel, but Pittsburgh's going to mess around with the idea, the luxury of having all three safeties finally healthy and practicing. Pittsburgh probably making up for some lost time so it, it felt like Casey was getting more reps than Neil next to Minka when they weren't doing the three safety package but there was some mixing and matching going on there so probably not too much to read into right now uh,
0: Neil Neil looked like he's healed
1: yeah he had a tackle on Najee Harris and so he was probably you know excited to go tackle somebody go hit somebody um, obviously he's you know they, they've been pretty cautious with him working his way back slowly whether that's You know, him, you know, taking a couple of days off and working individual only and then going full today, but even a bit more limited with the reps with the rotation there. So, yeah, they've been they've been careful with with Keanu Neal.
0: Man, how about put those guys, those three guys in some bubble wrap at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, they they can have it feels like they can have some fun with with those three, uh, you know, uh, mixing and matching them this year.
1: Sure, I mean there's versatility. There's hit power. Those guys are all, you know. Again, I think Mink is a super underrated tackler. Um, I think he gets overshadowed by the coverage ability, but Casey and and Neil just buzz down. They they hit you. Um, Neil has more size, so yeah, I'm sure those guys are going to be used, you know, pretty creatively this year.
0: All right, I heard the alarm going off. We have a punter punter update.
1: Woo woo woo! That's a terrible alarm sound. <laughs> I don't know what kind of alarm
0: that is, but.
1: Uh, that yeah, sounded like
0: twelve-year-old Alex Larm. <laughs> <That's laughs>
1: that siren. was uh, twenty thirteen Alex. <laughs> I almost want to cut that, but we're not. We're going to embarrass me, and that's totally fair. Uh, but yeah that presley <laughs> arvin has been the banner punter awkward no. yeah uh, uh ladies lineup uh no uh but I oh think by the way the... I,
0: I know we got a lot of listeners uh ladies alex is is very much available and if you'd like to yeah. dm me or send an email to the terrible podcast at gmail.com i could probably make something happen here <laughs> carry on
1: all right yeah i'm sure the email machine will be full of uh responses uh, but yeah, I thought personally Harvin. I thought you know Braden Man did okay, but I think you know Harvin. What I've seen just overall, even then some of the coffin corner stuff, and just you know, I thought Harvin had a really good you know period in that punting uh, session today. I know it's on air and it's not really in game, but I think Harvin has been more inconsistent on previous days. He was really good today. There really wasn't one bad punt that he had. I thought Man was struggling a bit more. Although to be fair. I think, you know, Christian Koontz has been pretty clearly a better snapper than Rex Sunohara. I know Sunohara had one kind of awkward snap to man today that was kind of a bit too high, a little bit outside. Man kind of had to reach up and adjust for it. That's not helpful to the punter's cause. So not that I'm trying to judge too much from punting on air in situations like this, but just the totality of it all. Um, I know that, you know, Harvin didn't punt in that first game. I'm sure he will against Buffalo, but I have, you know, Harvin right now, I would say pretty clearly ahead of of man. And I would put Koontz very comfortably ahead of, of Rex Sunohara right now.
0: I, I know you might be a little bit away from from it but I, I just wanted to uh, on defensive side of, how, how much of the communication can you can you uh hear uh from from where you sit especially on a defensive side of ball or can you hear any of it
1: um I mean yeah you can. I don't know if anything in particular has stuck out to me, any one voice. I mean, Kim Hayward's voice is always very loud, especially from the sidelines. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think when you have those veterans in there, those guys know how to communicate, whether it's Holcomb or Peterson or Neil or Casey, whatever the case is. So uh, I don't know if there's one, you know, super loud booming voice. I think on special teams, Miles Killibrew's voice is very distinctive, very loud and kind of what you want for that position. Uh, Jalen Warren working second team up back today. So you know want to note that there as well. Um, so I don't know if any other voices have really stuck out, but yeah, I think the communication, they've had some miscommunication, which is to be expected just in the, you know, long days of camp and just some of the new pieces. But I think everyone's been, been talking.
0: All right. Uh, what else was I going to ask here? Uh, it, it, it just slipped my mind here. What I was going to, uh, I was going to wrap up with something else. Oh, well, I mean, take us through seven shots real quick and maybe I'll think of it.
1: Yeah, it was a fun seven shots today. I'll go through it here when I pull up my notes. First one, Najee Harris, two-yard run off right guard for an early score for the offense. Second one, it was Pickett looking for Frymouth, Minka covering. Frymouth put up a hand, pass a little bit out in front, incomplete. Next one, back shoulder attempt to Allen Robinson. Levi Wallace breaking that up. Uh, next one, Joey Porter Jr. breaking up a throw. Right side to George Pickens. So at this point, the defense is up 3-1. to one. They're feeling pretty good. Mitch Trubisky, second team, comes in. Trubisky looks left, finds Connor Hayward right for a touchdown. Pretty open. Next one, a little kind of wide stick to Rodney Williams. Tough play there to defend if you're Miles Killebrew. So now it's tied at 3-3. And very interestingly, uh, Mike Tomlin calls the first teams back on. First team offense, first team defense for a winner-take-all. You don't see that one too often. And so first teams are back in. And Kenny Pickett finds Deontay Johnson, I believe, on a pivot route. Right side, the offense wins 4-3. So uh tomlin trying to find ways to keep camp fresh on day 14 really try to ramp up the competition race the stakes and that's why uh that that's the benefit you get from a head coach who's been doing this for so long he kind of has the time and the the energy to think about ways to to you know up the competition and break up a bit of the monotony of camp this time of year
0: i remember what i was going to ask you it's about your post uh at 9 30 this morning uh mm. a, uh for people that didn't get by the site what did you mean will the steelers play how they practice
1: yeah, I, it didn't. It, it probably sounds a little bit harsher than the critique was meant to be. It was just kind of some of the little things when we talk about how much Kendrick Green has been used at fullback, which did continue for two or three snaps a day in, in run period, and how much we've talked about Pony and they have used Pony so much this this camp, probably on I don't know a good ten percent of their plays if I just had to, to kind of guess at a number, um, and then to not see that inside these games you kind of wonder if you're going to do it this much in practice why will you not apply it to a game now i understand it's just one game to try to work on a bunch of different stuff hopefully we may see it for the next two games but when you only have three games there's only there's obviously one fewer opportunity than there used to be when you had four to to work on all this stuff and so um i just want to see you know if you're going to dedicate this time to it and it looks you know decent in in practice let's at least look at it in a game see how these players function in in these roles see what you can can glean from it. And then even return stuff where, you know, I understand Pittsburgh was playing their backup specialists in this game where it wasn't, you know, Boswell and Harvin and Coons and all that. But to see Jordan Berg get all those return opportunities, you'd almost want Olszewski and Austin back there just because you're going to find out what those guys can do, Austin especially. So why rob those opportunities? You don't get a ton of them inside games. You never know what you might get in one particular game. A bunch of touchbacks, not a lot of punts, punts that are super high and they don't have return opportunities. So I just, you know, I, I know that you want to give Bird the opportunity, but I think it's probably in the best interest of the team to give Austin and Olshevsky as many chances as, as possible because they are for, far more likely to be your return guys than Jordan Bird is going to be.
0: All right, you have all that laid out in that post this morning. Boy, we got a lot of content up on the site as well, too, so if, if everybody gets a chance, uh, try to try to swing by studersdepot.com tonight. Alex, you got two more of these in you? Uh,
1: I think ready or not, here they come, but <laughs> no, I, think, uh, I think we'll be okay.
0: All right, you and I will be back on Wednesday morning with a full version of the Terrible Podcast. We'll probably try to keep that to about an hour uh, there. You'll be back out at St. Vincent College in Latrobe for the team's 15th Training camp practice of 2023, and then you and I will be back together Wednesday night to recap what you observed out there. So, let's see. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Studio's Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what, what we do and want to donate, SteelersDepot.com, hit the donate button, upper right navigational bar. And also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, that's available upper right uh, corner of the navigational bar as well. So, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast, another special edition of The Terrible Podcast, Pittsburgh Steelers Training Camp 2023 with Dave and Alex.